0: Welcome to The Charlatans Podcast. In this episode, we welcome Dawn and Ashley from the Novel Universe Podcast. Dawn and Ashley are book ninjas who review everything from young adult literature to dollar store romance novels. With our mutual background as library professionals, books are the driving force behind our friendship. We discuss how books and reading are powerful tools for creating community and why people are often hesitant to read in general. Between negative childhood experiences to modern day reading stigmas, we realize many people view reading as an inaccessible pastime, but luckily for you, we're giving you a place to start. We offer a few of our personal favorite book recommendations at the end of this episode. This episode is recorded and edited at Seller
1: Studio 39. So, guys, we are so excited to introduce our second guest on the Charlotte's podcast. We have Ashley and Dawn from the Novel Universe podcast, and we are here to talk all about reading and books and insecurities, you know, that whole imposter syndrome thing. Um, but also just to kind of share with you one of our like all time favorite habits and one of our greatest joys. And we're all very diverse in our reading habits, in our reading backgrounds, how we all came to know each other through books and yeah and why don't you guys
0: introduce yourself cool. tell us a teeny bit about you and your podcast the novel universe
2: is that me okay
3: mm-hmm.
2: I'm, first. I'm don <laughs> criticizer of books and i'm ashley the fantasy architect
3: <laughs> and we are the novel universe <laughs> i love that that's what do okay. you
0: do in your podcast Rather, we, wait, let me ask that again. Okay. What do you
3: do, obviously? Hi, what do you do with your podcast? <laughs> what is your purpose with this podcast? Rewind.
0: <laughs> what is the
2: novel universe about? We just uh, choose, we usually choose a popular book. Um, we go on the old Goodreads and see what's at the top because that's what people want to hear about. And we read it separately. Ashley and I try not to talk about how we're feeling we don't rate it at the end on goodreads so that when we do podcasts it's a shock to see what we rated it um but yeah mostly fantasy sometimes we throw in some adult fiction we did some adult erotica that a couple times oh, yeah <laughs> that was an adventure and
1: <laughs> lots of things to say about adult erotica i have no shame saying i'm reading one of those books right now you know it is, it is, you need it it, it is it, great
4: every yeah. book it's reader girl <laughs> yes yes but I, that's awesome and you guys have been podcasting for a while now right
3: yeah since january yeah. um i think it's really cool though because John and i have a very similar genre taste in books so, when we're like choosing books, we're like, no, that's like not fiction. No, nope. out of the door, you know? And that's like, ah, uh, historical fiction. Do we want to get into that? No. Mm, not feeling it. So, no. And <laughs> then, like, so this is how we like start to pick out like what kind of books that we're interested in. We'll like spend an hour or two like with our, podcast and then we go on goodreads after and we're like so next month this is this has a lot of good like hype about it like how do you feel about this is their jersey retired as an author that's online? we have some uh, authors that their jersey has been retired we mm-hmm. have shelved them i want to hear who that is mm. so okay, yeah give us yeah. a little bit of
4: a taste without you know spoiling uh
3: we can talk about the obvious one Miss Cass. Oh. <laughs> Somehow oh. I knew. Yes. I knew. Ms. I was Cass. like, that's yeah. it. Yeah.
4: And everybody who doesn't read YA is like, uh, what? I'm sorry. So, yes
3: yeah, so, <laughs> so she's. explained a
4: little bit for our non-readers out yeah, there.
3: Yeah. No. So she's uh, the author of the Selection series, and she's had a bunch of other like standalone books come out, and then she's tried to start up like uh, another series called The Betrothed, and it was just god awful. Like. It's mm-hmm. it's really sad because the selections first book called The Selection by Kiera Cass it sets up, you know, this this world of everyone is in different castes and what that caste system actually looks like and it models a lot of like our world today and um so there's just you know the the fight to win the princess hand and like what are you going to bring even though you're from a lower caste and like all like so she had these awesome ideas and then as her fame progressed um we just feel like you know everyone who looks over what she's writing is just like oh well just give us some fairy tale just give us a good ending just give us some not so good writing put a little bit of things." So kind of formula
4: writing a little bit yeah right? and it was
3: kind of sad because she has such a good start to a series and then some authors just you know they just go off the deep end because mm-hmm. their publishers just are like oh well, you're a big name we'll just go let's we'll mm-hmm. go with mm-hmm. it or they don't uh Look over their writing, or they say, "Can you tone it down a little bit?" Mm-hmm.
1: So. so,
4: what's so good about Don and Ashley are that they're such discerning readers, and they've read such a depth of fiction that their tastes are so selective yet broad and open at the same time. So, you're hearing them dissect an author, but you have a series, and then you have another series, and you have the appreciation yet the criticism that's kind of constructive because they also see where fiction is going. So if you need to know anything about Ashley and Don is that you can trust them. they've They've read it all. We're read it criti- all. We
3: are critical readers, that's for sure. Yeah, We're so tell,
4: <laughs> so tell us a little about bit about your backgrounds and why you've become such discerning readers and and why that ended up into a podcast.
2: Ah uh, well, I didn't used to be. Um, I was a reader as a kid, but as an adult, you know, you got school and you don't really read. And then becoming a librarian, I had to read to kind of like be able to recommend books. And so that's why I started reading more books. And I was reading for fun, you know, like most people do. And it wasn't until I had to join a selection committee where we had to, we were basically like 14 librarians sequestered in a room for seven hours for six days. And all Drury we was talk about books, <laughs> pretty much. It was intense. And you have no choice but to read critically because you can't choose the best 10 books of the year and one of them is really bad this isn't just a goodreads review
4: these are librarians who do this Mm -hmm.
2: professionally yeah they put out big lists and other librarians look to these lists because this is how they purchase their books and so we have to make sure that we're picking really good books and that's when i became a critical reader Mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't i don't know what about you ashley
3: i think for me like i used to read A book for a happy ending, right? Because I I grew up like loving fairy tales. This is a common no-knowledge about Ashley. Ashley is a walking Disney princess. It is true. You heard her voice already. Um (laughs) 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 so like I remember like going to my local library and I was like, this is what I wanna read, and a librarian showed me this like magical like horse series i can't even remember like what the name of it was and i just like devoured that that world and i was like i want to be taken away like into a book like take me away from modern day and put me somewhere else because when i read i don't want to be reading about today i want to be in a different universe um so that's kind of been like my background with it and then i started reading books with friends, like all of you four in this room with me, you know, and we've we've had a book club. And then to be able to discuss what is actually happening, it brings me a lot of joy because there are so many deeper things embedded in books. It's not just about the story. There's themes, there's characters, there's development, there's worlds, there's, you know, relationships. There's all of these different things um, and the undertones. What is the author trying to imply? And the more and more I started to talk about books, the more I wanted to critique them More I didn't want to read just for a happy story anymore. I actually wanted to read a good book that has a lot of depth to it. And so in order to find that, you have to read a book critically. You can't just read it like, oh, well, the ending just sucked or, oh, the ending was really nice. I'm glad that, you know, so-and-so are together. You know, let's actually dissect what happened in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it just... I think it helped me become a better reader and so when I read books I look for certain things and if I don't get that now I'm like
1: "Ooh, I don't know I'm gonna bring my rating down so Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's That's really helpful um you guys were talking about like looking at Goodreads and picking authors and next books for your episodes. And I have to say, one of the things you guys do really well is you pick like big names. Mm -hmm. Like Kira Cass is, she's a pretty big name Mm -hmm. in YA, but then you also find these arcs, which are advanced reader copies of like these new authors coming out and you find them and you really push like new authors out Mm -hmm. into the world. I have probably, God, I don't even know how many books where like, it's like some no name person and Dawn or Ashley have recommended them to me. And I'm like, they've like, You know, when you get a good book, it feels like your whole world has just been changed. So it's not just like they're reading the newest James Patterson or something like they're doing research behind finding people who are up and coming and who are bringing something different. Because I know I hear a lot about I get teased about reading YA still as a 30 year old, Mm -hmm. um, which makes me feel really self-conscious. But then they're always like, oh, you read Hunger Games, another one of those dystopians. You're like, no, that is totally 2010. I've Mm -hmm. moved on that there's more to YA there's more there's depth there I mean, I mean this is
0: at the crux of what you're asking though it's like there are these assumptions and perceptions that come with genres with authors with types of books it's like how do you how do you decide what to read it's like I don't want to be perceived as that kind of a reader I don't want to just read romance I want to read also this but it's like you know the the weight that comes with the types of readers that people do or do not want to be seen as? It's like, how do you push past that and just, this is what I want to do and move forward? Mm-hmm.
4: And you were talking about how becoming a critical reader has been so important for you as you've read, because you guys were heavy readers before, but now you're more critical readers while mm-hmm. still reading heavily, right? So when it comes to trying new things, they seems to come more naturally to you. Does it, it was that the actual Process was it? Was it natural for you to start thinking critically, or did you kind of have to get spurred on somehow?
3: I think I just found, for me in particular, like I found my my people. Like I feel like, as someone who is a reader, um, you have to find a a group of other readers to connect with, because there's a lot of depth that grows. Into that, and so if, when you're surrounded by other people who are reading, you're you're pulling out like, oh well, Don really liked this character, and I wasn't a fan of them. But as she's describing this character through her eyes, like she's used her own imagination, her own creativity to come up with how she feels about them. And mine can be completely opposite. And to me, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because whether or not we agree on what type of genre, what everyone brings to the table is something different. So there's there are lots of books that Don and I have different ratings about. And we sure. are on like opposite like mm-hmm. totem poles. <laughs> We're just like, Ashley is always very generous. And Don's like, mm, nope, you didn't do X, Y, and Z. And I this is why I don't like it. But convince me. Convince me as to why mm-hmm. this could be.
2: Better. I'm not trying to convince you. I think a lot of times I'll say, well, I don't quite agree with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you. And it's very pleasant. And I'm not trying to convince you and either the other way around. Mm-hmm. It's just we see things differently, which I think is helpful when you have a podcast. No one wants to listen to a podcast where you like everything all the time. No. That's no fun. No, Stop no, talking so about true. our
4: podcasts. <laughs> Dawn. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: We're, I, I, We're very vocal on this podcast about <laughs> what we do and don't like. <laughs> or
3: you can say. <laughs> oh no. We just had that recently happen where I was like, "Ooh, I really like it." And John was like, um, I have to disagree with you." I hated all of that. And, and, and like, I was like, "Ouch. It wounds us. <laughs> but the it, I think it's like I've gotten past like like the wounding part because I accept everything that she has to say because if I if I don't as a reader who's trying to read critically, if I'm not listening to what other people are getting from this book, then I am like not allowing the depth of this book to go the way that it's supposed to I'm stopping that and I don't want to stop that like let's keep looking outside of the box here like what does this actually mean it's appreciating each other's
1: thought processes and Mm -hmm.
4: dissents that way
1: well that's just such a great like life skill Mm -hmm. but I'm sure like as like an author too you I mean unless you've tried to write I'm not a writer, but so much of like your life and almost like your blood goes into that, right? Like you yeah. craft this in a certain way as a teacher and trying to like teach writing. I'm trying to get kids to understand that. So authors want that discussion from their book. This is their art that they're putting out into the world. And so I think it's awesome you always have a podcast that's like showing people to think about books in that way. Because I feel like people I know who are readers – this is nothing against Nicholas Sparks, but like they're like, I read Nicholas Sparks, but you're yeah, you're mass looking publications, for like the, the, the paperbacks, the yeah. mystery you want to solve, the love affair you want to read mm-hmm. about, and it's like the happy-go-lucky feeling. Mm-hmm. But sometimes an author wants you to dive in. They want you to connect with that character. They want you to be like, oh my god, that character is me or was me or um, I know a couple of us we read Jane Eyre. And yeah. when we were talking about Jane Eyre and the, the different characters and the depth there, it makes you like think about your own life. And I think that's really what authors want from their art. And that's like why reading is is so essential. And the book clubs for community and just like, I don't know, I feel like as a 30-year-old, I never get my brain to work anymore. Like I like almost like thirst for that deep conversation with people instead oh, of like, point. did you take out the garbage tonight? No, <laughs> I guess we'll do it in the morning. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you need that. Or else you feel a little dead inside. Mm -hmm. Culturally,
0: there seems to be a lost art to simply sitting down and reading for pleasure or um, as opposed to just reading to gain more knowledge like you would at work or for something else. Why do you think that's the case?
2: Um, I think that, well, I think there are so many other things that you could do. Um, Back in the day, there wasn't much to do, but you know sit at home and talk to your family but now you have endless tv endless phone and it's just too much stimulation and reading a book is difficult i know it. i don't know if this happens to you but it might just be murphy's law but no one's texting me all day as soon as i pick up my book yeah. man it is like- absolutely yes. Oh. yes that is the truth <laughs> i've just sat down for
3: some quiet time I know.
2: yeah oh, here we go so And I've had teens actually say they have a hard time reading because their phone is pinging all the time and they, they, it's hard for them to put it away. So I think that's a, a reason why people they just don't have time or they don't it, – it seems an insurmountable thing to do. It's like I have to read this book. It's huge. I don't want to read this big book. And one thing I noticed a lot, you probably guys have noticed this too, is the Audible push. Mm -hmm. I like the, I I hate to say because it's Amazon and Amazon has taken over and I'm kind of sick of it. But the way they promoted Audible as 10 minutes, just listen in your car, 10 minutes. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is great. You know, and I think it really did help people to read more because, oh, I can just listen for 10 minutes or five minutes or while I'm um, doing my laundry or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And some context there, too, when
4: Dawn says her teen, she's a teen librarian. Like oh, sorry, ran. yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's, her, that's her her profession. She She studies her readers so she knows how to provide better services for them. So when she's thinking, how can we adapt reading to them instead of having to adapt the teens to mm-hmm. traditional reading methods, it's because she's seen proof in the pudding there. And um, I love you talking about audiobooks in that sense because it's it's a very common thing for librarians to be like, audiobooks are reading too. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. feel like I can't read, like, audiobooks are reading too. Right. I think people
0: think that they're not reading if they're not physically, like, holding something in front of their face and, like, using their own eyes to, like, ingest that information. But audiobooks are something that you can really incorporate in, into any part of your life. And it's really, like, what we're talking about is a perception shift, right? This perspective of... I don't have time to sit down and do something, but audiobooks like take that moment of stillness, which is important. And I'm totally for that because reading is kind of also an act of like mindfulness and like taking care of yourself as well. But like you said, Dawn, when you're doing the dishes, when you're commuting, when you're doing these things that kind of require you to be a little bit more mobile, books can still be a part of that action.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What do you think, Anish? Yeah. So for me, I, I'm I'm a nanny. So I nanny uh, anywhere from <laughs> zero to twelve. Right now, I have a nine and a twelve-year-old, and the biggest thing that I've noticed in our culture is that reading is is work. Um, kids don't have the stimulation to be able to sit and read a book. They are so antsy. They're so ADD. With like, they need to be doing this and they need to be doing this and.
4: Um, and they're scheduled. There's Mm -hmm. yeah.
3: And there's a lot of things that are expected of them to do. Um, and like everything is at everyone's fingertips now. Like you can, uh, Google what everything means instead of looking in an encyclopedia. Like I remember like in grade school, I had to look up in an encyclopedia for information for a book report. Like Kids don't have to do that. What do they do? They go on the internet. Like, and books are just kind of like just pushed off to the side, and all the screen time is just—it's um, not helping their brains develop the way that they need to. And there's causing a lot of a lot of with my kids, like their headaches, um, because they're just in front of that screen all day long. Um, and there's a lack of uh, creativity and imagination. That's. Uh, disappearing in our children and to not have kids sit down to read a book just 10 minutes 20 minutes a day they are missing out on that and so that's something that I've seen with them um, and we do audiobooks like I listen to audiobooks in my car like we've done Harry Potter like
4: great narration of the time you <laughs> amazing
3: know, but it's They love it. They're they're like, oh, okay, so Snape's coming in. Here we go. Like, (laughs) you you know, so like we're trying to incorporate that uh, more because my parents did that when we were in the car. I mean, we had those cassette tapes.
0: I was going to say. And we just would like Mm -hmm. pop in the story
3: on the cassette tape. (laughs) And the book is like a foot wide, like that
4: foamy, fake, (laughs) like hollow plastic. I can hear the noise in my mind.
3: But it was like, that's what my parents (laughs) did for me. So why would I not continue to use that for the younger generation? Like and it just, oh, it's so good, but yet it's being missed because now reading people just don't have time for it, or yeah. they don't think that they can make time for it. They don't think that they can add it into their schedule.
4: And that's so perfect too because our next question was your early memories of reading, and Ashley just hit that sort of mm-hmm. cassette audiobook. So uh, do you guys have any other really fond memories of, of reading when you
2: were a kid? Um, I read a lot. I was, I'm. I haven't changed as a reader. I find something I like and I stick with it. <laughs> and so for me, it was Babysitter's Club. And yeah, I was just yes. like rocking and rolling through Babysitter's Club. And then um, I'm old enough that she was writing them as I was a kid. So, and they're, they don't take a long time to write, but I still had to wait a couple of months for the next one. So I had to find other stuff and I discovered Judy Bloom. What's what's your favorite Judy Bloom? Are you there, Goddess okay. Margaret? And I met her and I got her to sign my book. Oh <gasps> my God! Yeah. Let's just take an original though. We just had a collective
4: Still. Oh, like we're all so still jealous. in shock, man. Yeah.
2: It, do you have it like in a
4: shadow box with <laughs> no. UV protected lighting? It's on my shelf. <laughs> but... She's like, it's under my bed. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would never do that. I pull it out on the weekend. She venerates oh, it daily. And as a side note, um, Don has a very staunch policy on autographed books. <laughs> Can you explain uh, your autograph my book policy? Yes. policy. I am dying. Like, if you're not, you don't, you don't want like um, what do they call it? Nameplate? Like, oh, you want to yeah. meet the you, person. Yes. Oh, you yeah. have to tell us yeah, what you asked them yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah.
2: I have a staunch policy. Okay. Yes. I don't
4: think you knew this then.
2: Okay, you, let's educate you, Dawn on usually... her own
4: policies. <laughs> <at> go.
0: <laughs> I, I used to work with Don. Um, and so did I, so Madeline. <laughs> and Elise. Both. And Alyssa And too. Alyssa
4: did. This is true. And Ashley. Like, through osmosis. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Currently Um, working with
0: Dawn. Dawn has this fantastic, um, I I was going to call it an an idea, but you approach the author with a specific quote that really meant something Uh to you, and you ask them to put it in your book. So how do you choose those quotes? Like, what's your thought process behind that?
2: Um, While I'm reading it, it'll pop out. If it's something that I like, I like it immediately, Mm -hmm. and then that's, that's the one. I think we just did a podcast where I found one quote in... That was the only thing I liked about that book, really, was the one quote in mm-hmm. Blood and Honey. Um, so if I were, I would never have her sign my book. But yeah, as soon as it pops out, I know it. And then I make sure I document it up here. I don't normally, like, document it in my book. I don't write in my books. But if I know I'm going to meet the author, I'll make sure I I do my research and I'll know what I want them to sign.
1: So one of the things that really interests me with reading, especially as a teacher, is that reading comes with all of these um, perceptions right I hear it from my students reading is too hard it's too much work it's too boring I don't like this topic there are no good books for me and I also hear it from like parents when I have like conferences and like they'll be like well I was a bad reader in school so my kid is too or I know I should be reading more at home like I feel like people have all these preconceptions and I feel like we've hit on it a little bit um You know, being embarrassed about reading, like, YA sometimes. So I feel like there's just so much of our society that has a lot of, like, bad backgrounds, bad emotions associated with reading. Like, I kind of wonder if that's a reason why we don't read as much, along with the stimulation. I totally agree with that. But um, have there been any, like, bad preconceptions, like, in your past that you've had to overcome or that you've had a friend or something or advice you give your teens or your, your kids to kind of overcome some of these ideas they have about reading.
3: Yeah, so I have one that I very firmly stick to. Do not use reading as a punishment. What? Who does that? But, oh, oh, a lot of a people. A lot of, of parents. Mm-hmm. I have seen some teachers use it mm-hmm. as a punishment. Um, and when you equate that that whole, like, like I'm going to sit down and read, but yet, like, I don't want to because this is what I do when I'm punished. So therefore, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to spend the time reading. You've now given something a negative connotation. And guess what? If a, if a parent also went through that, they are not going to mm-hmm. push their kids to sit down and read. And the other thing is like, if a kid is sitting there and they're fidgety and they don't want to sit and they don't want to, to read, let's change the dynamic of how we're reading. Mm -hmm. Let's read out loud. Let's, um, why don't we do a summary? Can, Can you tell me what's happening in the page? Let's make it come alive off of there. So that like, that's what I do with my kids because they have come to me and they're like, Ashley, I don't, I don't know what I like to read, and I'm I'm not really into like the frilly stuff. And oh, I'm over here like dying of a broken heart because like <laughs> I want to like have them read like this whole like fairy princess trilogy or or whatever, um, or some sort of fairyism. I don't know <laughs> where you want to say it, but uh, so as so we sit and we have the conversation, like what do you actually like to read? So when we work through that, and I like to have a little bit of picture, but I also like to have something with more words on the page and like so we progress from picture to picture with words and then to maybe a picture every few pages and then to no picture um and i really want to applaud graphic novels because that is the one type of book that both of my girls really love because their attention is captured by that detail. Mm-hmm. And like they're able to stay connected to the story. They're able to give me a general synopsis as to what's happening because they can see it and they can follow it and it's quick and it's it's exactly how their brains are trained to be. Um whereas like the oldest one, she is now in Harry Potter world, you know. And so we sit and we talk about it. I've read all the books and I will do read-alongs with them. So then that way they have someone to communicate to be able to talk to about it. I think that that's something that is lacking in a lot of households is that parents aren't sitting down to read with their child. And when you make this um, an individual thing, that gets lost a little Mm -hmm. bit. And if it's it's not a group thing, we're we're not doing something together. Um, We're not showing how uh, books you can learn so much from them, your vocabulary grows, the way that you perceive your world grows um, and your imagination. It's all these things that people are missing out on because someone either told them to do it as a punishment or they didn't get directed where they need to, to be able to read something that they want to read about. If you like to read about frogs, let's find books about frogs. Like you shouldn't be reading books about horses then. Like it's very simple, and I know that's like a black and white answer. But even as an adult, I don't like some adult fiction, so I still try it because I want to be able to expand what I what, what I'm reading. But if I don't like it, why am I going to sit here and read it? Yeah, if Let me find something that, I want to read. If
4: someone took that book out of your hands, so like you can't read that one, you have to read this one yeah. as an adult. How would you feel?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: I would feel like like I've lost a little bit of my
3: identity. Like, I'm like it's I don't want to so, read this. Along with your guys' is like imposter syndrome, like there are times where like I feel like as, as an adult, like that I shouldn't be reading YA books, that it's wrong of me, that I'm not progressing my intelligence by reading a YA book. And let me just say that is a complete lie. Like <laughs> from the pits, you know, it's like there, it's a good book. Why would I not want to read it? Why would I not encourage someone else to read it?
4: So Don, what are your kind of thoughts on? beating back those expectations an individual might have on what they should read, how they should read, anything along those lines?
2: Well, being a librarian, um, as Madeline already said, I'm a teen librarian, but I, I have had to work the adult reference desk. So you get adults who come up and they request books and when I first started working the reference desk, they would come up with the James. You got the new James Patterson book? Sure. And, and then I'm looking it up and they're talking to me and like, they're like, so have you read it? And I'm like, no, I only read YA. And I would kind of have this like, oh, kind of embarrassed tone. And after a couple months, I realized that I was having that tone. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And so after a while, I was like, I read YA. And then they're like, Oh, OK, so you kind of just got to get over it. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing with anything. If, you know, you're insecure about, you can't get over all insecurities, but if it's something that you really can just say, you know what, I don't care what people think, I'm going to get over it and I like it and I don't care who knows it. And it's the same thing with reading. You just got to get over it. And imagine that adult that's
4: coming up and is... And only a YA reader and
2: finally came up for a
4: suggestion and someone's like oh I read YA they're like oh thank yeah. god oh, so thank I god. don't feel embarrassed to yeah. ask you and they don't just that. think Twilight yeah. you know yeah. they think right.
2: of all the broad topics that you have
4: mm-hmm. I yeah. love
2: that or we'll get along the same line what you're saying Madeline is I would get and these are always my favorite um, people who read like urban um, fiction or mm-hmm. urban erotica mm-hmm. and it's always like Chimps and hoes, book two. And they come up to the desk and they're like, do you have that new one about Zane? And it's called the cheese box. Like they're really like, like quiet yes, about it. We sure do. And, yeah, and, I, and when they come up to the desk with me, I don't look embarrassed for them. I'm saying, sure, yep. we do. And we also have this and this. And I'll take them over the section. And here's the whole section. Because I want them to not feel embarrassed uh-huh. about what they're reading. If you like it, I love it. If you like romance, I love it. Don't be ashamed of mm-hmm. what you read.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, And I have to say... And this is Madeline talking. I have to say that when I first became part of our friend group too, my imposter syndrome was everybody here reads YA but me. Mm. Everyone e- reads young adult books but me. And I, was, I had stopped reading because I was in college and I just had to read all this heavy psychology nonfiction and like it's so weighty and I didn't have time to escape. I don't have time to escape. But all these ladies in this room, they taught me to escape and they were like, you need to read this. No, you need to read this. Not like, oh, because instead of something else, it's just try it. Just read it. We're having a book club. You're not reading it. Then you're not part of book club. <laughs> like, But they they taught me to expand it. And the imposter syndrome was all self-induced, you mm-hmm. know, like at that point where and none of you guys were really shaming me for reading mostly nonfiction at the time. But you guys, with a help of something I didn't thought I would like to read, I I read it and then I started reading fiction again, adult fiction again. And that felt so nice. And I'm like, you just got to get a little nudge from your friends. Yeah,
0: and that goes into a, a like nice segue there, Madeline. Mm-hmm. How do you get yourself to try new things? Mm-hmm. How do you encourage people specifically to read books that they may not naturally grab on their own?
3: Um I think for me in particular, like I've tried to broaden my horizons as to like what I like to read. Um and just to actually expand genres which is like really hard for me to do like i do stay in like one genre which is fantasy because i really like it but i have tried to do the nonfiction. i've tried to do the fiction i've tried to do historical fiction like someone says it's good like oh maybe i should check that out like um I mean, and we read Jane Eyre and I was like, I hate it. Yeah, and that's,
4: that's like happening. my favorite book ever. I'm like, we where is it? like Madeline was like,
3: but I'm over here major like, novel oh <laughs> my gosh, please make it stop. My eyes are bleeding, you know, it's so
4: gothic, But
3: but as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, that's what's happening, you know? So I just, I feel like if you like something enough, suggest it to a friend. They can say no if they don't want to read mm-hmm. it or they can try it and love it. You know, you, you you don't know. I think there's plenty of times that I've gotten books from from Dawn or from any one of you guys that it's like, okay, you should try this. And I'm like, I don't really know if I feel good about this, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like everyone, as long as you're open with like, well, I didn't like this, but I feel like you would like something like this. Um, let's actually have that conversation. Then that's how people are either willing to try something or they'll just put it in their little pocket until they're ready Mm -hmm.
2: I I would agree with Ashley I think it's more of a trust thing if a person if you know if you trust that person or you know that they trust you then you're not going to recommend something bad if Mm -hmm. they know you they know what you like Mm -hmm. they're going to recommend something good uh as a librarian that's my job i kind of have to do a really quick interview and my first question is what do you watch on tv because everybody mostly everyone watches tv so if they like comedy they're gonna like a humor book and horror they're gonna like a horror book so it's usually my first question
1: ashley i really like you know and and even john i think you said it both of you said it so well that you need to trust somebody Mm -hmm. to take the book rec so i know we keep mentioning goodreads.com and if you're not on there, I kind of call it like the Facebook for readers. Mm-hmm. You create your own profile. You list what you're reading, what you have read, what you want to read. But then you can friend other people. Um, so, like, we're all good read friends in here. And a lot of times, um, because I trust Dawn and Ashley's opinion so much on books, when I'm looking like, oh, I'm, I'm ready for something new to read. I go and I look to, like, what have they rated well? Um And I think that's like a good starting point if you're not a big reader right now is getting on Goodreads. They have all different kinds of groups and communities on there, too. You can find people who have read stuff maybe you liked in the past or even movies that you liked in the past. Like if you Mm -hmm. really liked The Hunger Games, that's kind of your thing. You can find that on there and try to find other dystopian books. yeah, it's a it's a good way to, like, I'm not an active
4: update to what I'm reading, but I update when I start and finish a book. Mm. So then I can see how active I've been in my reading and how broad I've read for the year. They have these reading challenges, and I love seeing what Dawn has done for her reading mm-hmm. challenges.
3: Dawn has they, surpassed. Oh, she my God. She literally completed, oh, my gosh, are you at,
4: like, 70 or 80 books now? I'm what at all year? 75. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and your
0: goal was, what, 50? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
4: Oh, my God. My, my goal 60, for the whole year is, like... A good 25.
0: For some people, two books is a a lot in a year. It's like, if you're reading, awesome, you Mm -hmm. know? But I am like, I get too competitive with myself of like- Yes,
4: you sure do. Damn it, I'm
0: 14 books behind. Screw it, it's over. It's done. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, I need to just-
3: Whereas I'm the exact opposite. I literally will be like, oh, crap. There's how many days left (laughs) in the the month? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, like, husband, don't bother me. I need to be reading because I have to be, like, 2.5 books ahead at the end of the month. Ashley is a
4: goal-oriented lady. (laughs) Which is so funny because I don't see myself that way. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Madeline's on Goodreads, like, floral arranging, human sexuality, (laughs) random fashion book. Also YA that gets five a, likes. That's it. Everything else zero likes. Because everybody's just like, who is she? A um, book of poetry. <laughs> like everybody's just like okay. I think that's something you and I have
0: in
1: common. We read way more nonfiction than I think. I read a lot of nonfiction. The rest
0: of you guys do. You I read, read some
1: nonfiction. nonfiction. I tend to do um nonfiction audiobooks. You love cookbooks too. Mm-hmm. And I love cookbooks and um, I've been doing like a lot of health books recently. Um but I do tend to like non-fiction audio so i loved um oh what's his name devil in the white Sari- S- city eric, eric, eric larson, larson. Yes. i love his books mm. um i'm really into like the true crime ones so, like i did helter skelter nice. on an audiobook. i did a lot of um and rule audiobooks. i'll be
4: gone in the dark um
1: mm-hmm. i haven't done that one i am <gasps> on hold on it for i'm oh, i'm on hold on so libby bad. for it um by michelle macamura mm-hmm. so i really like that, but I have a very hard time. I tend to read at night, and I have not been reading recently. I feel like I need to confess that now, <laughs> because you are forgiven. Reading thank confessions you. by one person. Yeah. Everyone else didn't say that in the room. <laughs> uh, I was, yeah, the non finished thought. I'm sorry. Uh, it is really <laughs>
4: intense with everybody. They like have to keep up with each other.
1: But honestly, being back in this community again, I think honestly, when COVID first started. I got all these books in the library. Like before like the state shut down, like the library was the hot spot. Like all the shelves were empty because everyone went there and I read a bunch of books. And then I feel like because we weren't in this community, I couldn't talk about books. I couldn't get book recommendations. I couldn't do the things. I It's not just reading and being in the world for me. It's about the community around it. Mm -hmm. And so when we couldn't see each other, I didn't feel as motivated to do it. Mm So, Ashley, the gem that she is, like, literally, I had, like, a mailbox, like, on the side of my house. She, like, pushed books through my mail slot. (laughs) Like a book drop. Yeah. She's like, it's been delivered. Like, she sent me this text.
4: I'm going to do that from now on. Like,
3: three days. But I did it because you were just... You were needing it so much and you didn't know how to ask, but you oh, but you did and you I'm get, like, you know what? I'm just doing a book drop. Like here is all of the stuff I've read. Curious to know what you think.
1: But like, like the, <laughs> and I'm almost done with the first book she gave me, but it like reinvigorates me because of that community. Like I have someone to talk to and we'll like Marco, I'm like, I'm this far in the book. And she's like, Oh yeah, that's a really good spot. And mm-hmm. least you did that with Crescent City. You like tied it up in a Walmart plastic bag and you like left oh. it on my stoop. <laughs> but it was like, Oh, I'm really motivated to do this
4: now. And so what other types of community have you built through book reading? Has it just been just a friend group or have you done it with family or other librarians? Or your podcast?
3: Or your podcast? Well, I don't... I think with our podcast... A novel universe available with your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think... I don't want to say their podcast, but I think with our group, like our group went from uh, doing book club through the library and then we were like, you know what? Let's just like branch off. We really all like to read together. Let's have so-and-so pick the book for this month or, oh, this is the newest book coming out or, uh, you know, however we decided the book. But like, I feel like our our group started with a common goal. And when that common goal starts, there's all these other things that just like happen at the same time. You know, that's what happens in community. You like, oh, we're going to build this garden. So you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And no one talks about the, the growth and the relationships that are built through that. Like our group now talks it daily. It if I can say that, yeah, mm-hmm. I can attest that. Yeah. We talk daily or someone posts daily or we're um, talking about the deeper things that are happening in in our lives, you know? So now it's not just the book conversation. Now it's, I had a bad week and here's what happened and I want to talk about it. Or, hey guys, have you seen this new show? Let's all group watch it together. That's what we did during quarantine. We most definitely watched the show together. Or, or
4: Madeline sends memes. Or, sends Madeline. memes. yes
3: you know but there's there's this this connection now so now everyone is interwoven, connected not just through a book but it's now a deeper relationship that we've attained what amazing book
0: recommendations do you guys have for our readers if there's a if there's one takeaway from this podcast one book you want people to one read one book come on
4: you one. know they are gonna have more one book it's gonna from come. The okay. year. no but what I'm saying
0: is like think of like okay think of top tier and then branch off from there I actually read some really great graphic novels lately. Um, Noelle Stevenson, who wrote Nimona, um, which was National Book Award, yeah, finalist,
1: uh, in like
0: 2016, um, she came out with her graphic memoir in s- the summer of this year, summer 2020. Very good. Um, it's all about like her reckoning with her like, um, like emerging self as a as a queer person. That's not my experience, but the way that she wrote this and like portrayed this like grappling of honesty with herself and her experiences was so relatable across any walk of life. Um, my only complaint is that people know this about me, but I don't like when graphic novels don't have any color, I think. Ugh. But in this instance, it made sense because the entirety of this book is about how she's like struggling with this literal hole that she feels inside of herself through the majority of her life. So it makes sense that there would be like no color because she's like lacking in expression and like feeling whole as a person. But I'm so used to reading her books like Lumberjanes and Nimona that are like splashed with color and like vibrant. And I'm like, wow, this is very different. Totally. And she's like, this is me. This is what I have struggled with. This is where I am. And it wasn't like what I liked about this book is also it it wasn't a I have arrived ending. It was like I'm still in this. Like, this isn't just an overnight thing. Like, I've published a book and now I'm working on a TV show, so I'm accomplished now. I really liked that because I'm kind of, like, very much in that in my own life. Just, like, what is my journey? Where am I going in my life? I loved that book. It was very good. Oh, and I did not say the title. I'm so sorry. It's called This Fire Never Goes Out. The Fire Never Goes Out by Noelle Stevenson.
1: I'm going to jump off of that because the one that immediately came to my mind is also a graphic novel. Um, I made our book club read it, Brazen. Oh, it's um, so good. I was about was, to mention it. Oh, especially with the passing of Ruth so Bader Ginsburg. So that was um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away several days ago um, as we're recording this. And I was rocked to the core. Um, just can't get that out of my head. But there's this book called Brazen, Rebel Ladies Who Rocked the World by, I'm going to butcher her name. It's a and French I'm name. so sorry. Penelope Bagu. Baju. Baju. There you go. Actually. Um and it's all these little mini stories about famous women who have done things um to the most like obscure things like these women like no one knows about them mm-hmm. but they have done things that have impacted the world and they're just these short little chapters beautiful graphics that go around it um just like the fight for feminism um so I mean I my favorite one who is the woman who played the wicked witch of the west in I don't remember the Wizard her name, of Oz but that one was so good. I'm going to Google it. Okay, thank you. She tells this story, and and in the graphic, it's so good, that she was not the first woman to get picked for that role. Mm -hmm. But the woman who was picked didn't take the role, and so she's the runner-up, and she takes it, and she's got this like green makeup paint on her. And on the set one day, there is a fire, and this green paint gets burned into her skin. And she is stuck in the hospital for two weeks with this green paint on her. And at this time, women did not play roles of bad people. Mm-hmm. That would have been, like, the total wrong gender role. And she's, like, coming out as this wicked witch, awful person after Dorothy. Yeah, your value is in beauty. And and she is – it's not on beauty, but she – and she got criticized a lot. And now she's also in the hospital, and her health takes a toll before it. But she loved that role. And she loved changing the dynamic that a woman could be a bad person in a movie – And so then she dedicated her career to be the bad person and the rest of her career. And she even shows up on like Sesame Street as the Wicked Witch of the West. And like just something like that is like, wow, no one knows this story about like, I never thought about women couldn't be bad characters, but that makes sense to Mm -hmm. me in the 1930s and that Mm -hmm. she pushed for that to open up more acting roles for Mm -hmm. women. Her name is Margaret
0: Hamilton. Thank you.
2: So in our quest to start reading more adult fantasy... Uh, we read the fifth season by N.K. Jemison and nice. I believe it's won Hugo. Mm-hmm. She's won Hugo several times, and it—if um, you like fantasy, this is this is probably one of the <laughs> best fantasy books I've ever read in my life, because the world is just so different than what we normally read. It—it's a dystopian, or um, yeah, dystopian, post-apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically—it. I seemed I kind of thought it was talking about global warming and if we don't stop what we're doing we're going to kill the earth because the earth in this book is just totally ruined and they have years and that why it's called the fifth season is cuz after the main four seasons the fifth season is whatever crap that's happened to the earth and in one of the seasons it's ash it's kind of like california but a whole 100 years of just ash raining mm-hmm. down on you mm-hmm. and one of the more compelling things about the book is um I'm Don I'm black and our author is black and the NK Jemison is black and all of her characters are brown people and they have oh, dreadlocks. Yes. And it was really amazing to read an adult science fiction book because, you know, not too many black people write science fiction. It's usually um, realistic fiction, contemporary. And it's always mm-hmm. about hard being black and it's, it gets a little bit old after a while, but so, so refreshing to read this book about just these this people, These people with these awful lives, and it's just about discrimination and not race discrimination, but the, there's characters called Origins, and they have power, but people don't want them to have too much power, so they do awful things to them. And our main character, her son, her husband kills her son, her two-year-old son, because he's Origins. So it's kind of how it starts off. But it's an amazing book. If you like fantasy and you like a new world, a world you've never read before, highly recommend. It's the one of the best. things to my records. good reads. <laughs> I know. I just <laughs> it's did hard. That it's, 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 I, you because you, you guys are, well, Madeline, Madeline's a YA reader, but Ashley are, Ashley and Alyssa Elise, you guys are YA readers. And it's going to be mm-hmm. difficult to shift to adult fiction, especially if you're not used to adult fantasy, because I know we struggled. As i and I, both yeah, struggled. I, struggled I read a lot really of adult bad. fiction but not fantasy yeah.
0: so that's a very different genre the irony I is read, which I read is weird more, i read more though. adult
1: fantasy as a kid yes because i read a lot of like i read all the Shannara chronicles mm-hmm. um dune's not fantasy but i read the whole dune series as a kid i mean that science fiction all very heavy mm-hmm. vocabulary yeah. and world building game of thrones that that was a that's a uh, this I one's made it harder than before. Game of Thrones, oh, only boy.
2: because Game of Thrones is a familiar world. I'm gonna need. Whereas this one, you've never read this world before, especially if you're not used to like environmental vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Interesting, oh, Madeline. It, just
3: it was, it was a hard read. I'm for excited me. for this one. It was very hard, but it was also so nice to like actually read. A different fantasy realm, like, and I had to keep telling myself, like, this is not YA, which is very quick. We're moving, 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 moving. You know, like, or you're getting thrown into the story, like in adult fantasy. There's like the setup of the world, and then all of a sudden, now you're in it, and then you move into a different spot, and you're like, now I have no idea where I am, in like the way that. Um, and Kate Jonathan does a good job of explaining her world. Like I really felt like I was immersed in it and I felt like the world was alive, which as someone who is on our podcast, The Fantasy Architect, I was like golden, loved all of it. Now I don't know who the characters are very well, but I know where I am. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, so for me, I actually took a different route um, with my book recommendations. So when I got into reading and I was reading a lot more I was reading a lot of more like YA books I actually wanted to read more uh like romance fantasy like and I don't even know if like that's an actual genre like it's either fantasy it's now. or it's romance <laughs> I'm making it to get of an actual thing but um so I did like a a really big long search and I found this author called Lynn Curland and she I mean this book was published in 2006 and it's called um Star of the Morning and it's like the Tale of the Nine Kingdoms or whatever I am really big into like uh Gaelic uh mythology and like all of this stuff like that and so like you are set in like uh I guess in like the early mm, like I want to say 14th century, maybe even later than that, um, into this realm, and there are people who have these powers and they're able to guard their kingdoms. And Then there are those that, you know, there was this one bad guy, blah, 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 blah you know, that whole scenario. But he is, like, trying to take over the nine kingdoms, and what does that look like? And it, it turns out that the person who... Um, is the next one to rule is a girl and it's not supposed to be a girl. It's the the mm. title's both supposed to be passed to a man. And so like that to me was like I'm in. Like the sword should not sing to you. It's supposed you're gonna, to sing you're to a male see how she proves them
2: all wrong. Yeah. But.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so but it was done really well because I'm not one for uh a lot of erotica. And so at the time when I was reading this book, I was like, please don't let there be a bunch of sex. I don't want to just read about sex. Like I actually want to read like a good book and like I feel like she did a really good job of writing a romantic fantasy if you will Mm because it's not just about like the love of these characters it's actually about the plot you know like we're going to do x y and z so Mm -hmm. yeah then curland star of the morning (laughs) see i didn't recommend moss aren't you proud of me
4: (laughs) she's good too I have (laughs) (laughs) so is Bardugo (laughs) I I, I, oh Lee Bardugo we can all give a big clap for that. and actually that's a great transition to the the read that I would recommend because I feel like Lee Bardugo is YA for adults as well Mm -hmm. it's easy like near what they call new adult now it it, it can easily transition into both um, if you read new adult and you want to go into young adult or if you're adult fiction I think Lee Bardugo's books are perfect for that um but in full disclosure, this is a friend of mine. She's a, a debut author. Her name is Ashley Blooms. And she came out with a book um, named Every Bone a Prayer. And if you've re- read Laura Ruby before, which Dawn actually got me onto Laura Ruby, and Laura Ruby writes a little bit of everything. It's adult and new adult and young adult. And she expands into world of magical realism. And so if you like Laura Ruby or you like a little bit of horror, you like a little bit of fantasy, you like not knowing where it's going and a little bit of intrigue, Every Bone of Prayer is, is creepy in the best way while still hitting on hard-hitting topics. Um, the main character's name is Misty and she has a lot of trauma she's going through in her life, but there's something magical crawling out to her. She is, um, and it's Southern fiction as well. It's, um, based in Appalachia. So it's also drawing on that popular theme of Southern fiction, you know, crowded scene came out and everybody's kind of looking to expand that world or, um, book woman of troublesome Creek is really popular right now. Um, but especially with a debut author, like supporting those authors that have good ideas, but don't have book deals, you know, like multi-series and, Um, it just goes to show like me being into this book is only because I listened to Dawn's suggestions or Alyssa's suggestions and read what everybody in the book club was reading because I think all of my previous reading got me ready to read books like this with a discerning eye, um, ear, eye, mind, discerning mind. Well, all of it, I guess it it depends on if you read audio or, um, in print, but, it really goes to show that you develop your taste over time and having read YA had my mind be open to the weird, right? And that's what's so good about YA. YA is so weird. So now that adult fiction's expanding and being allowed to be weird, I was ready for this book. Um, so I just want to say thank you for your <laughs> discerning taste. But truly, talk about making community. It, you also make different readers out of people.
0: I think when you let someone else in, influence your reading habits, that's a really beautiful relationship to have. So we always ask our guest what they are smelling because we ask them to bring a candle. What did you guys bring today?
2: I brought champagne toast. I think I got it from Target. Was it Target or well, anyway? Target has great candles, and they do. so does not spawn, not spawn, not spawn. I think it's Marshalls. Is it Marshalls or TJ Maxx? God That's bless by Ulta. It's, it's God bless. Marshalls. Marshalls.
0: I get hella good candles.
2: For the Marshalls. home goods. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, because they're under the home
0: goods mm-hmm. category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have some great. Just candles. bought one yesterday, I, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> <laughs> but then Ashley brought one. What? <laughs> what is it?
3: <laughs> I bought. <laughs>
4: I brought winter rose and apparently it smells like my house. It's literally <laughs> Ashley in a candle. It's like she's like, okay, all the perfumes I wear plus the fabric softener and just my spirit. I'm just going to pour this into wax. It's literally, it smells like Ashley and it's oddly comforting right now. But the best thing is because we have two candles it's like making a co- like yes. a cocktail. We have like a mocktail They're cocktail, both very yeah. A mocktail <laughs> uh, cocktail, cocktail. It's alcohol free cocktail <laughs> of candles. Yes. But my favorite thing, I was like Oh, Dom brought champagne bread. Yeah. <laughs> champagne <laughs> bread. Champagne <laughs> bread. But it, it's one of those things where I'm like, I, we have to keep this candle thing going. This is, yeah, we do.
2: This is awesome. And besides our candles, we have that done. So where do we find you guys? You can find our podcast anywhere where you find your podcast. And we are on Instagram under Novel Universe Pod, or you can just search the Novel Universe. You can find us on Instagram at Pod or search for us on Facebook at the charlatans
0: podcast or email us charlatanspod at gmail.com. And we'd love to
4: hear what you guys like to read or how you've overcome your reading struggles or those imposter syndrome of you felt like you weren't allowed to read what you loved. We'd love to hear what genres you're into and follow us on Goodreads because we also want to get book suggestions from you. But other than that, thank you so much, Dawn and Ashley, for being here. You have made our whole day. And other than that, we'll see you guys on the next lesson.